Randy has come to us from the Bay Area. He has just returned from Atlanta. We were at the PMI North America Congress together. I stepped away from the booth, and then Randy took my spot in booth duty, and he did a very good job. Uh, we are delighted to be bringing him uh, to Portland tonight for, to be with you guys. Uh, he will be doing a seminar in San Jose on project sponsorship, and there's some flyers here available to you if you'd like to learn more about training on sponsorships. How many of you are project sponsors? Interesting, none. How many are you here because your sponsor is not and what they're supposed to be doing? <laughs> By the book, Project Sponsorship that Randy has written. It's got some incredible information in this book. It's also available through PMI's bookstore. I just wanted to share that with you. Um, Randy brings a wealth of talent and uh, expertise to, this, to the table tonight. He is a guest speaker at many PMI events. We were together in Atlanta where he was a guest speaker there and also for Seminar World as well. And I'm sure we'll be together at the PMI Latin America Congress in Cancun. So, I mean, it's a tough job. Somebody has to do it. So <laughs> please welcome Randy England, your speaker tonight. So do you know where your sponsor is? Obviously not here. It would be nice to have a lot of sponsors here. Do any of you manage project managers? We do have some of you here. This is great. Because a lot of my previous books were really focused on that intersection between the project managers and the people who manage them, the environment in which people operate. And that's why Alfonso Bucero, my co-author, and I focused on this topic because upper management support has been deemed critical for success of every single project. And it's absolutely required. And it's, it's one of those things we know a lot about accidental project managers. There are a lot of accidental sponsors as well. And so we really try to focus on being able to say, how do we do something different about that? Okay. So you do have, I ask the Cadence people to hand out a, a piece of uh, paper. So you can take some notes on it, but I also want you to leave some space on it blank, like one side of it blank, because a little bit later on I want to do an exercise. And so I just want to warn you about that in advance. I believe in an organic approach to the implementation of project management. One thing about or an organic approach, is that we can learn a lot from our animals. So there's a lot we can learn from our dogs about sponsorship. Let me kind of start out with sharing that with you. Is that true? Okay. Simple signals work best. We sometimes get very complicated in our approach to life and our projects, even our relationships and managing upwards. And that's going to be a lot of my theme here this evening, is the role of managing upwards. Obviously, we'd like to have a lot of sponsors to have them very educated on the aspect of what it means to do their role with excellence. But we really want to say, how does excellence and sponsorship contribute to your overall organizational success? So that's uh, what I want to cover today as we go through it. So a, a lot of things about sponsorship uh, can, can relate to a number of issues like this. You might hear people saying, we did project management. We spent a lot of money. We trained, educated project managers. We got a career path for our project managers. So why do we still have problems on our projects? Well, it's not about you. It's not about you as the project manager. It really is about the environment in which you're operating. You are a key part of it, but you're not the only part of it. In many organizations that I've gone to, really think that to get better in project management, they maybe got at least that message in place, they say, okay, we're going to train our project managers and think that's going to do it. And that's only a piece of the puzzle. It's an important piece, but I think we also need to train the manager of the project managers and also to train the sponsors who are sponsoring projects. 
and that they realize how vital projects are to their organizations, do they get the, the best that they can from our sponsors. So my message tonight is, what do you do? Since your sponsor isn't here, you're not sure where they are, if they're even thinking about you on your projects, or if they are thinking about you, hopefully it's fondly. And not just saying, oh, where's that? You know, why aren't they getting their job done? So I got several case studies I want to share with you tonight about people who have done a brilliant job of managing upward. It's possible, it's real, it works. And to share with you some of those practices to do that. So you might get this kind of scenario. This project is extremely important. It has no budget, no guidelines, no support staff, and it's due tomorrow morning. At least here's your chance to really impress everyone. Sound familiar? So if that's part of the problem we're facing, it really kind of boils down to many executives are assigned as project sponsors, perhaps accidentally, but their organizations do not spend the time training and explaining their roles and responsibilities during the project life cycle. And one of the key words here is during the life cycle, because many sponsors might start out very energetically in the beginning and then disappear. And that doesn't help either. And so we really want to go through saying uh, projects with and without sponsorship. I want to do a quick exercise here and ask you to think about some projects you're familiar with, especially if there's a, a recent a project or several projects that you might be thinking about. And first of all, do you have an assigned sponsor? There should be one sponsor per project. If you've got multiple or a business committee and so forth, that's not a good thing. I was working with one group uh, a lot of the time that I worked at HP, and we had, uh, they were saying they want to train everybody in the organization on project management, and that was great. But uh, we also had the point where we, as we interviewed the people around the organization, they said, we're not sure who our sponsor is. And so part of the feedback went back to the business committee and say, it's not sufficient to sign your business committee as a sponsor because the people in the organization do not know who to go to on that committee when they have a problem. And so we had enough credible evidence from those interviews to get them to assign a particular sponsor per project. So first of all, do you have an assigned sponsor? But I want you to think about for a moment, what are some factors that contributed to project success? I want you to turn somebody to your side or back of you, in front of you, and just spend a minute here and try to say, are there some things, if you really had a great sponsor, what did they do? Okay, didn't seem to take too much to get you going on that. What were some of the things you came up with? Just shout it out. Fight for resources. Fight for resources, good. Run interference. Run interference, wonderful. Realistic. Realistic. Communicates well. Communicates well, lovely. Follows the company rules. Follows the company rules. Okay. Scott? Involved all the way to the end of the project. Couple more. What about? Maintain visibility. visibility. Wonderful. Another one? Not afraid to get to the level of the project team. I love it. Not afraid to get to the level of the project team. Wonderful. Okay, so that was your good sponsor. Aha. We we got some that aren't so good. Do the same now. What are some of the things that contributed to failure? Okay, let's hear a few here. I don't want to go on too long with this one. I don't want you to get all depressed here. So, Okay, what are some of the things that, that, 
that, that sponsor contributed to failure? Lack of communication. Lack of communication. Lack of involvement. Lack of involvement. Too much involvement. Too much involvement. <laughs> exactly. You don't need to follow all of those different project management things. Get right into the development. Ah, just get right into it. Don't give me all this project management stuff. <laughs> the company rules. Okay. Okay, so some of the things might happen in your organization. No longer does your sponsor have that same clout or visibility, or maybe they've moved on and been promoted. So the disappearing sponsor, because of some organizational changes. So those happen as well. So we got the sense of there's some good things we know and appreciate from our sponsors, and there's some things that don't work so well. And we want to be cognizant of all of those because that's what's going to make us more effective in working with them. We can't expect that they're naturally going to do the job because they may not know what their job is or may not know what impact they're having on you trying to do your projects. So those would be some of the problems we have. What Alfonso and I have put together, and I'm just going to really briefly tell you what's on these 10 steps. This is what we put together in our material here as a way to approach this problem. We're really trying to achieve management commitment for project success. And what we're looking at a goal is to say, can excellence in project sponsorship be a major contributor to competitive advantage and success for your organization? And we believe it does, and how would you do that? Well, the 10 steps are saying, what, is it, what are the responsibilities of sponsors? Second step is, how do you obtain the sponsor? Okay, so we have, what is the sense of their, what their roles are? How do you obtain a good sponsor? And how do you sustain it so they don't disappear throughout? Again, a lot of this is going to be managing upwards. And, and by the way, these slides as well as the podcast are going to be available on the PMI site. Uh, so you'll be able to access some of these uh, if you want to get copies of them. There often might be the point where you're doing projects for customers. And so there's going to be a, a sponsor at the client site as well as a provider site. So what would be some of those relationships between the client and the provider sponsors as, as well as at the project manager to project manager level? It's crucial that sponsors work together as a team to work across the organization. A lot of things that might be required is prioritize their strategy and the projects, assign resources. Don't take resources away from one project to play them on another. So the steering committee as a role is this is the home turf where sponsors can get together and really guide the whole organization. What is your culture in your organization which is going to guide the role of what the sponsors are going to do? And what we provide is some checklists and some uh, assessment tools to be able to understand your culture. Because I could stand up here all day long and tell you some best practices and some stories, and you could try to do it. It may not work because you're different. Your organization is different. And so we need to kind of adapt all of these things to your own environment. How do you get feedback both to the sponsor, from the project manager, from the sponsor to the project manager in both directions, sponsors to sponsors, sponsors to senior executives. We all get better with feedback. And so that's the urgent plea, compelling plea, if you will, in this chapter is the idea of more feedback throughout the organization that we all get better, and especially how do sponsors get better in that relationship with their project managers. How do you develop the sponsors? 
one of the things that my co-author did very uniquely that I, I thought was a key success factor was the fact that he put some training together for their sponsors. Realizing that he had a weak culture, had a weak sense of being able to know what the sponsors need to know about their jobs, how could he do it? Well, he trained them on it. And so ongoing development of sponsorship is just as critical as any other professional. Mentoring is always important. Sponsors to sponsors, maybe new sponsors with existing sponsors, with experienced sponsors, project managers, and so forth. So again, it's all those relationships and the mentoring. And finally, at the last step is really the idea of learning from all of your activities, knowledge management, working in your political environment. So what happens when you reach the top of the stairway? Well, the doors are now open. The doors are open to whatever you want it to be. <laughs> and we now have a, a very lush environment that is very green instead of toxic. We're trying to say the all CNI is the fact that you have reached a stage of enlightenment that your organization can accomplish almost anything that it wants to set out to do. Wouldn't that be a delight to have that as a consistent, ideal environment? Okay? That's what we're striving towards, is something that says, it's all worthwhile to do this stuff. And so that doesn't mean you have guaranteed success there, but you have the conditions in place that success can happen. And, you know, I'd love to stand up here and say, do these things, and I'll guarantee you're going to be successful. You would like me to do that, and I'd like to be able to do that, right? But, you know, I can't do that because I can't guarantee that because there's so many conditions, and they're all so different. But what I can say is by paying attention to these factors, you can improve the probability of success more consistently, more predictably, more deterministically across your organization. Even if it's only a 10 to 15% improvement, that could be massively different, especially in a, in a competitive posture. So this is what is really the whole idea of my talk tonight, is to kind of focus on those key points. So one of the first questions to ask is, well, what do sponsors do? Well, we can kind of relate it a little bit to what do project managers do. And of course, we have to manage the triple constraints the iron triangle of project management, which is good, fast, and cheap. And of course, your manager, your sponsor always says, give it to me, I want it good, fast, and cheap. Right? And I'm standing up here to say, you can only have two out of three. Which two do you want? If you had it good and fast, it probably wasn't cheap. Or last time you got something fast and cheap, tell me, was it any good? Okay. So we've got to get a priority here. So... Uh, just sort of, we kind of cement this point. I want to, I brought a philosopher along to, to sing the project management anthem for us. Did you know Meatloaf was singing the project management anthem? Okay, two out of three ain't bad. Okay, so which two do you want? Okay, in fact, I want to ask you to do another quick little quiz here. I want you to write down three words in priority order for a project, something very specific in your life right now or something, 
I want you to pick those three words, outcome, schedule, and budget. Put them in priority order. Which one is most important, least constraint, has the most constraints, most important? What's the second most important, a little bit more flexible? What's third? What is the most flexible, least important? Three words in priority order between outcome, schedule, and budget. Okay, looking right now at your first word. How many of you said outcome? A lot of hands up. How many said schedule? Quite a few hands up. How many said budget? Okay, fair number of hands up. Okay, so now this is real. Every project is going to be different, and you need to make sure you have that priority in place. But here's a question I really want to ask you now. I said, in your opinion, write down the priority order of those three. How many of you would say that you and your sponsor would be in absolute agreement in the priority order of those three? Oh, bless you. Some of you have your hands up. What about the rest of you? Why could you not put your hand up in answer to that question? He wants all three. Okay. You're doing more than one project? <laughs> Shame on you. Okay, so there might be more other projects going away, but I'm not sure how that would affect the, the agreement between yourself and your sponsor. Okay, so what we have established here this evening is that you have an opinion of the priority order of these three items. And for a fair number of you, except for those of you who raised your hand, that you would be in agreement. That's all you have is your opinion. You don't have agreement. So those of you who raised your hand, how could, why did you raise your hand? How did you know that you and your sponsor would be in agreement on the priority order? Yes, sir? You agreed upon it ahead of time. Okay? That's the answer. And by getting agreement upon that ahead of time, it's going to be so much easier during the course of a project because when that opportunity comes up with a new feature, Something to add to the project, the creeping elegance, the scope creep. You're going to say, how does that affect the priority order? Yeah, we can add outcome if it doesn't affect schedule because we said schedule is most important. Or if it is going to change it, are we going to be in agreement with that kind of change? Okay. Question? So, I'm not sure I quite heard all of that, so if you could please say it again. Budget tied to dollars, yes. Outcome could be more ambiguous, but if we do our good project management work, it shouldn't be. Okay? Well, none of this is easy. Okay, it is harder. Okay. So, uh, I mean, we could say, we could make, you know, some different understanding around all the features, but the whole point is to have some agreement upon what, if you only have one out of the three, which one is it most important? Is it to get whatever you can get done by that time frame or saying this has to be a certain level of outcome and we don't want it to take longer or cost more, but if it, that's the case, what it takes to get that outcome is most important, we want that to happen. So the point is to, is to take the time to have the dialogue with the sponsor around this triple constraints. And it really is going to be a negotiation because managing your sponsor is going to go something like a dialogue like this. Your sponsor or functional manager is going to say, I want it good, fast, and cheap. 
And they may not even be clear about the outcome. Maybe it is ambiguous, but they're going to say here are some objectives. And you know if you accept those, or maybe you don't know, but I'm going to caution you, if you accept all of that, which is probably impossible, you are setting yourself up for failure. And we don't want that. Okay? I don't want you to fail. I want you to be successful. So what you need to do at that point is to push back. Say, we can't do it. I'm not saying use those exact words because that could be career limiting. Okay. But you kind of said, well, we could do that, but I'm not sure you like the outcome. Or, yes, we could do that, but, or no, but here's something else we can do. So you need to push back at that point. And the sponsor at that point hopefully is going to be say, well, okay, let's talk about it and let's agree to it. So if any more upper managers, I think there are a few of you in the room, if you get that pushback from your sponsor, from your project managers or their team, please, please realize they're not being insubordinate. They're doing their job. So whenever I have the opportunity to talk with upper-level managers, I always say, when they push back, that's doing their job, and you need to negotiate with them. Likewise, you as project managers need to have the courage, need to have the data, need to have the, the wherewithal and the skills, the negotiating skills to push back at this point. This is your most crucial element on any project is at the beginning when you're setting up what's important about the project. So hopefully you get something modified, and then you can say, we can do it. You say, okay, you have an approval, and you say, great, let's go ahead and do it. And the, the point I'm trying to make on this slide is you have to be a negotiator. Negotiate with due diligence, and it goes on both sides. Now, unfortunately, many of you, some of you might be in organizations where the sponsors aren't so open to negotiating. What do you do then? I think you still have to have the courage to push back because that's your job. I'm going to give you that job at this point if you, if you don't accept that yet, is to help coach and mentor them. Because those people who choose to coach and mentor upwards are the ones who have become more valuable in their organizations. Okay? I work with some of the Stanford Advanced Project Management Program in the Bay Area. And they've been doing this, this program for quite a while, and they've had a lot of graduation ceremonies where people who have gone through these strategic-level thinking courses for project managers and have come back to say, by applying this type of thinking, they have become more valuable in their organizations. It took courage. It took some risk at times to do that pushback, but it has been a good thing to do. And so... I hope that you will elect, if you aren't already, to coach and mentor upwards as much as you do it laterally and to possibly any people on your teams. So sponsorship, what, what is it? What is sponsorship? We've said it is the topic of sponsorship. Well, there are some people who, as we said, the accidental sponsors who don't know what it is. In fact, you can give them a box labeled it, and they still don't get it. So it sometimes it goes kind of beyond their natural compensation or you know comprehension really about what it is in place there. And as many of you have said works well is that they are involved from the project initiation to the end. If they are passive, a micromanager or a super project manager tries to come in and do it, that is unproductive behavior. And it needs focus, time and passion for them to be very successful in doing their job. So what are some of those elements? Well, we all have some challenges in trying to think about the sponsorship role. 
Alfonso Bissell is my co-author, and Alfonso has really come up with his three Ps. Well, let me have him share with you what they are. Unfortunately, Alfonso couldn't be with us here tonight, but he could give you many, many stories of how he had the situation where he did have poor sponsorship, and he applied his passion, persistence, and patience to be successful in setting up that program management office and in being able to put things in place there. And, and in the book that uh, I did with Bob Graham on creating the project office, we, we actually tell Alfonso's story in Chapter 7. And, and Bob and I were saying, you know, what would be one thing we said Alfonso did that he did uh, so well? And we said, we're not sure. He did many things. He went to a lot of meetings. And in essence, what he did was the passion, persistence, and patience. And that's what it's going to take to work with a lot of your sponsor situation, is having that passion that you want to get it done, patience to realize it's not going to happen overnight, and persistence to keep at it because it will take a while. And it's going to take longer or shorter, depending on a lot of your project culture, how project-friendly it is to start with, and so that means your assessment. So we're saying that the role of sponsors is going to take a lot of time, and it's going to need to work with a lot of different people in their organizations. And you're going to have to listen to good news and bad news, and be open to both. And if you don't listen to the bad news, or if you shoot the messenger of bad news, of course, they're not going to bring it to you. So the sponsors are going to not get all the news that they need to happen. I worked with one client who really did share their passion. I was brought in, and this happened to be a risk management initiative at a biotech company. And I wanted to make sure that the senior managers and sponsors were truly behind it because, you know, I'm helping them spend a lot of their money, and I wanted to make sure they got their money's worth. And so I said, well, I want to talk to the, the senior uh, directors and, and the VPs, first of all, if they're behind it. And secondly, I, I want to capture their, either have them come to the training session or, or say something directly. So what we did in that case was a videotape. And, and it actually goes much longer, but I want to give you a short clip of what it is. I play this at the beginning of the program to truly get the attention of the people in this organization, that the people, they know these, these managers, they're behind it. And what expectation do they have for their project manager? So here's a couple of sponsors. My expectations for team leaders and project managers is to be readily able to identify the top three near-term risks that a project is facing and what the team is actively doing to manage those risks. My commitment is to actively engage each of you during our interactions about what risks are facing a project and what you and your team are doing to minimize, mitigate, or avoid those risks from turning into significant problems. I want all of you as project managers and project uh, team members to take risk management planning very seriously. It's, it's a critical activity uh, for our company and something that will invariably improve the value of our portfolio. I want you to treat it seriously so that when we do it, we do it really well and we think about the things that really matter for the project and I want you to do it efficiently so that when we do this, it's value added and uh, we get a good return on investment for the time that you put into it. And I think if you do that, you'll really do great things for both your project. 
So what that really means is that they're using the terminology. Risk management is not a foreign concept to them. They're saying what they want the project managers to do. They want them to take it seriously and do it. And what I especially was glad to hear them say is that they are going to take the time and work with you, commit with you to work with you, ask the questions, and so forth. So this is powerful, and I use that throughout the training to kind of say, you know, you are going to be expected to apply this stuff starting right now. You heard Vince and Mark say, this is what they're going to expect from you, and so we're here together to learn how you can do it better so that you can meet their expectations, and they're going to be a partner with you in doing it. So it's a great feeling to have that kind of sponsorship right at the beginning of a project. Now, I'd like to say the whole thing's a rosy story, but I'd like to kind of jump ahead in time. As some of you pointed out, there are some changes that happen in organizations. And, of course, Vince and Mark kind of moved on, and I went back to this company after a while to, to check how's it going and should we do a refresher. So I was able to get into the manager who was uh, taking Mark's place in that role and talking about it. And I asked a few questions very similar to what, how I heard Mark answer because he obviously was familiar with risk management. And I didn't get the same answers. So she had to kind of say, well, I'll get back to you. Right there, the yellow flag went up. So it didn't surprise me, although it disappointed me, that uh, a couple of weeks later I got the letter in the mail saying, we're going to postpone any further work on this project for a while. Okay. So it is uh, devastating a lot of times when the sponsor does leave. And sometimes things can just totally fall and, and not continue. But I also had, uh, had told the story uh, about Gary Legassi, who was a colonel in the Air Force, who Air Force generals change every two years their assignments. And so every time he had a new person in, in charge, within seconds you can almost count that Colonel Legassi would be there briefing that person on this project, making sure it would be ongoing. So that's some of the persistence that's going to take to do it. The organizational model is not going to support you naturally to say, hey, I got a favorable sponsor up there and all's great and it's going to stay that way. So I'm just kind of setting the tone to say it's a never-ending cycle to try to keep these sponsors up to date. You need to do it, but also realize it may change. But it is worthwhile doing it because the time that they're there supporting it can be just really some of the very most fantastic good times. Proactive sponsorship is what we really try to recommend here. And what we're saying is that if you're having excellence in sponsorship, it is a set of steps, which I shared with you earlier. You support the project manager and the team. What a sponsor truly does on a project is help to define, fund, defend, and support major activities of the project over the time frame from the beginning to the end. That's the essence of sponsorship. However, that's not enough. It really says that they are also the benefits manager. Now, a lot of times in project management, when you get your project done, you go on to your next project and kind of forget what it is the project was supposed to deliver. And a key role of the sponsor at that point is to ensure that that benefit happens. You had a business plan. You had a business objective statement. Are you starting to do it? Are the sales ramping up the way you had expected them to do? Is this project providing the benefit? So it's like a boomerang. We really want to see, are the benefits coming back to the organization? Nobody else truly manages that very well, but it truly can be a, a key role of a sponsor to be able to focus on that and bring it all in place there. If you do all of these things, that's what I'm calling as proactive sponsorship. Now, 
I had occasion where I thought, you know, I knew where my sponsor was. I was doing this project. We'd been working on it for a year. It's going very well. We we're just a month away from implementation. And all of a sudden, we hit this one of the cost-constraining events that often happens in a com company's history. And uh, the sponsor surprised the heck out of me. It's like we thought we had him in place in terms of truly understanding the project. He would support us. And so was rudely surprised the fact that he didn't. He was one of the first that was going to pull the plug. And in fact, I had to go be almost passionate about it to argue for going ahead with this project. Because I said, if we cancel it, we're going to have no value and lose $750,000, three quarters of a million dollars. Whereas if we go ahead and do the project, we can cut it back. We can scale it down. We can provide great value for this company, but we can do it at a lower cost. We should move ahead. Now, I had it happen to me in this case, and I thought it only happened in the movies. I want you to do it this way, or I'll find somebody else. I actually got threatened. Okay. So that was one of the rude awakenings I had. I didn't know where my sponsor was in that case, and it did surprise me. So that's remedial sponsorship. What I've learned from that case and, and, and truly trying to say is the more preferred way to do it is to have proactive sponsorship, which means right from the get-go with your project. You know where your sponsor is. You know where they stand. What is the definition of success for the project? Do you ask that question of your sponsor? Okay. Again, if they had one thing, you know, if you ask them, hey, boss, what, what do you want me to do to truly be successful in this project? They might say, do it on time, on budget, on schedule. They might say, give it to me good, fast, and cheap. They may say, they may say just don't embarrass me. Okay. They might just say, don't fail. There might be any number of things. But if you're really pushing down, what is the one thing you truly want from this project to make it successful? Then you are being proactive. You know what to expect. You know where they're at on it. When you talk about the priority orders, they're in place there. And every single objective and every milestone in the project, you validate that with the sponsor. This is what I'm saying is proactive. Because it is painful to be reactive. And remedial is really the tough times. And so there's enough evidence out there in case studies and so forth to say we can manage our sponsors and have proactive sponsorship. So I really want to plant that seed for you, is to say that's the way to do it. Now, part of what I think is very important for sponsors is to work together as a team. So I come up here from California, and uh, you know, it's part of uh, Oregon as well, as we're very delightful to have a lot of redwood trees. So I said an organic approach to project management. I want to share with you one more lesson about management teamwork that we can draw from the roots system of the Redwood Forest. Effective teamwork on projects may be compared to a giant Redwood Forest. California's Redwood Forest contains some of the tallest and oldest trees in California. The parks are filled with trails, and you can wander through acres of ancient redwoods. The interesting thing about a Redwood tree is that it has very shallow roots which makes it difficult to survive. Lauren Ayers is a naturalist who takes people through the forest on foot or on horseback. She says, Coastal redwoods grow primarily along the coastal fog belt in California, up into southern Oregon. They need that fog to get through the dry summer. 
They also like the canyons where they can get water for their very shallow roots. Trees are dependent upon teamwork for survival. The roots go out as far as a mile. They interlock and they grow together in a way that allows trees closer to the water source to send roots up the hillside and water trees that are further away. The redwood forest through this root system is totally interconnected. Really blew me away when I first heard that. Here are these trees, 300, 350 feet tall, and the roots only go down six or eight feet. In fact, you wonder how do they survive the, the winter storms? Large winds and everything that's attacking them, and that's their, they're co-located with these interdependent, interconnected roots. So this is a real metaphor for a lot of our teams. We could have, actually have a metaphor and say, well, what is your role? Are you the trunk? Are you a branch? Are you a taproot, a feeder root? There's any number of roles that we can kind of say, are we supporting that as a team to play together? And so part of what is very important for sponsorship is the fact that they model the organizational desired behaviors. They say, how are they going to set strategy? Are they going to prioritize the project and decide issues? You also want to know that they understand all the strategic implications of the decisions that they make and the outcomes of initiatives because everything happens through projects. They want to support each project. One of the biggest complaints I get from project managers is that their upper managers do not support or understand the project management process. So part of it is that they need to appreciate the significance of the project for all of the stakeholders and what the impact is going to be on it. And that by membership in a steering committee of upper managers or of sponsors, it's very much we're going to allow the organizations to say that all of their interests are being represented instead of there being the functional silos doing their own things. And then what this team is doing is demonstrating some desired behaviors. I want to share with you another little case study from uh, Kimberly Legal. Kim Kimberly is, uh, is Oregonian now. I used to know her when she was in uh, San Diego. She attended one of my workshops, and then I finally reconnected with her. And she's also doing some work with Cadence. In fact, I think I heard that she's right now in China doing some training. But uh, Kimberly impressed me, first of all, when I saw what a beautiful project office plan that she put together and very thorough. And I just said, here's a person who's got her act together. And she did another thing where she's trying to get a team of sponsors to work together. And how did she do it? They were essentially her peers. Well, she got the people below them to kind of put their feet to the fire. Well, let me have Kimberly tell you it herself or they were going to be held accountable. It was no longer just me in my single voice crying in the woods why we needed project management discipline. It was their very own people asking for the things that I had been screaming for months, if not years, as to why we needed it to happen. It really took getting the voices of their own people and holding the feet to the fire of those managers who were my peers to make it happen. So we all could be out there screaming in the words and talking about this thing forever, but how do you get a coalition of, of supporters to demonstrate the need for it? And that's what she said was just awesome to be able to find out their, their very own people were, were asking for the things that she had said in their management team. So it's just another technique that I wanted to share with you as a way to get the teams to work together, to get sponsors working together for the good of the organization. There's another case study of one of my clients I want to share with you who 
did an extraordinary job of selling sponsorship in a very large contextual organization. In this case, it was uh, such where he had to do a number of activities in a government organization, to, and he had a lot of sponsors. Let me have Michael share with you how he approached a very convoluted structure. So Michael is demonstrating, again, the initiative to manage upwards. And what did he do? He really did his stakeholder analysis. He did his political plan. He ranked his sponsors for, and there's about 13 or 15 of them, in who was most supportive to most resistive. And would you have followed the same approach? Where would you have started? Would a lot of you have started with where you thought the most work was going to be with the toughies? But he started with the most supportive. By the time he got further down the list, there was enough critical mass, he didn't have to worry about some of those at the bottom of the list. They went along with it. He also had a coalition of their project managers pushing upwards to support it. So, again, they're getting a lot of pressure about here's a better way to do things. So, again, I wanted to share with you some examples. The fact that you get the alignment, you know the people, you build sponsorship in the organization, you have to sometimes train them, you demonstrate the value, and you also get close. You ask them to do things in place. What this all pointing to is the fact that you're creating competence or competitive advantage essentially through excellence in project sponsorship. Now, I want to ask this question. How do you think you might do this? And so I'd ask you to reserve a little bit of that blank piece of paper. And I want you to draw it, uh, have three columns there. Maybe draw two vertical lines. So, for instance, if you turn a piece of paper this way, 
you know, two lines, so you have three columns. On that first column on the left, I want you to, to uh, take a quick moment and brainstorm. What do you think your organization can do to improve sponsorship? What your organization can do to improve sponsorship? Write down a few action steps. Move to the middle column and write down what do you think your manager can do or your sponsor can do to improve sponsorship? What can your manager or sponsor do to improve sponsorship? And you can probably guess the third column is what can you do to improve sponsorship? What can be your role, how you can manage and contribute in your organization to improve sponsorship. Let me get a few inputs. What did some of you put down on the first column? What can your organization do to improve sponsorship? Okay, do some sponsorship training. Excellent. Formalize the process. Define roles and responsibilities. Follow the process. Okay. All right. What were some of the things you put in the second column? What can your manager or sponsor do to improve sponsorship? Model behavior. Increase communication. Increase communication. Any others? Take sponsorship training. Okay, good. We got the organization to sponsor it, and they can attend. In fact, I don't again time to tell the whole story, but. Alfonso did a neat thing how he got all the managers together with their general manager. And actually, he did a risky thing. He got them to reveal how ignorant they were about their projects. And the general manager said, I want you to take his training. So in other words, the upper manager really did sponsor for the organization and have them do it. And he was there to really uh, follow through and put it in place there. Okay, so what can some of you put down for your third column? What were some of the things that you can do? Wonderful. Establish your expectations beforehand. Yes, sir. Read the book. I love this man. Do I have to pay you now? <laughs> Any others? I'd love to. Okay. Come on, this is a call to action. I, want, I, want, I need to get a few testimonials here because I want you to have some takeaway. Good, you got it. Take more initiative. To manage, ask questions. God, that's a great way to do it. Even ask, what is our strategy? You know, why did we pick that project? What criteria did we use to pick projects? Why are we changing people around? Is that other project more important that you're going to pull that person off of this project to go work on that one? Okay? So there are a number of things that you can do. You've tried to, to uh, describe some of them for yourself. I shared with you some examples of what some other people had done there. You need to also recognize that there are some rewards for sponsorship if you're going to sell it to them. You know, they get improved standing, they get linked, they get potential media opportunities, but this is the biggie, the bottom one here, that they can get their agenda implemented. You can do it for them. You ask them questions. What do they want? What's their vision? What's their dream? What's their fantasy that they want to happen in the organization? And you can do it through your projects if you're in alignment with them. But they have to also be there to support you. There's, a, there's something in it for them. Find projects that can have a positive bottom line. Become involved using the stuff that you're learning and you know about project management. 
Determine and nurture individuals who already support project management. Kindred souls, whether they're at your peer levels or even higher or, or below you in the organization, need to thrive in a political environment because we all exist. If you're living and breathing, which I think all of you are, you exist in political environments. So we need to make that work for us. And communicate upwards with senior executives. That's going to be a key part of your success. Every project needs a sponsor. Executives need prodding training. They don't know it naturally to be effective sponsors. This proactive sponsorship, describe that for you. And what we're trying to do is say there are some steps here, and it's not for its own sake. It's really because you are trying to help the sponsors and the whole organization achieve greater business impact in whatever results you're trying to do. Take the initiative, make a commitment to lead with power, personal power. What are your sources of power? And look systematically at the environment. We have a number of questionnaires and templates for you. In fact, even in the, the slides for, for tonight, there's several other slides that have more detailed information I'm not even going to show. But if you wanted to print them out, there's a little bit more in there as well. I want to take a moment here and just share with you something that uh, is, it's a little story that, again, will try to give you another point to help solidify. And this is really the story, if you will, of the blue butterfly. There was a man who lived with his two daughters who were very curious and smart. Kids were always asking many questions. He only knew how to answer some of them. As he tried to offer them the best education, he sent them on vacations with the wise man who lived on a big mountain. The wise man always answered all questions without any doubt. Being impatient with the wise man, the girls decided to invent a question that was impossible to answer. Then one of them appeared with a beautiful blue butterfly that she would use to trick the wise man. What are you going to do, asked her sister. I'm going to hide the butterfly in my hands, and I'll ask the wise man if it is alive or dead. If he says it is dead, I'll open my hands and let it fly. If he says that it is alive, I'll squeeze it. And then, regardless of his answer, it will be wrong. Then the two kids were to meet the wise man who was in meditation. I've here a blue butterfly. Tell me, wise man, is it alive or dead? Very quietly, the wise man smiled and responded, It depends on you. Its fate is in your hands. Likewise, your fate is in your hands with regards to, do you know where your sponsor is? Is sponsorship something that is an opportunity for your organization? If you want to pick up that mantle, the fate is in your hand. There are some resources. As I said, the slides are available. As uh, mentioned, we also are doing a workshop on this topic if you'd like to come down to the Bay Area uh, next month. And uh, Cadence will have all the information to do that. I thank you very much for the opportunity to be here this evening, and I wish you all the best of luck in all of your projects. Thank you. Thank you.